On today's episode, we will examine your grandma's favorite television show ever since Downton Abbey was canceled. I'm talking about Peter Morgan's The Crown, which offers a dramatized chronicle of the life of Queen Elizabeth II. We've been doing a lot of British shows lately. His Dark Materials, Industry, even Bly Manor was set in England, though it was filmed in Canada and starred mostly American actors. The Crown is synonymous with the royal family. Netflix has afforded the series an incredible budget, which, is util which it has utilized on talented casting, local permits, costumes, cars, and an extensive research team to boot. <laughs> if you're not familiar with season four, it's set between 1977 to 1990. Episode one, Gold Stick, takes us into the 1980s. The show has faced criticism as it tends to play fast and loose with time jumps, preferring to downplay or omit events and people that don't advance the story. As for the season four premiere, was there any difficulty keeping up with the timeline? And what was the first and last scene? The first scene has the queen petting a horse, and then we get a quick montage of the IRA. Um, they're basically wanting the crown completely out of Ireland. Because yeah, this they feel is the like late 70s um, that we're dealing with, so there's it's been rising up for quite some time right. by this point. And so basically they feel like a lot of their people are being jailed, that they're not being treated fairly. Do you remember the movie In the Name of the Father? Uh, yeah. yeah, that was the one with Daniel Day-Lewis, right? Yeah, where he gets falsely accused of causing a bombing, a bombing yeah by uh, as part of the ira oh okay yeah 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 it was at the bar yeah and that movie took place in 1974 and this is about 1977 to 1980 so that should give you some idea of how long this was rising up and this movement continued for many years and they did a lot of bombings but you were saying uh the final scene is charles he's rolling up to this house uh, that he went to earlier to meet sarah mm -hmm. um and sarah has a sister named diana who he's interested in and the last Clearly, scene princess we, diana yeah and the last scene we see is them basically about to go out on a date yeah and a lot of this season's supposed to focus on princess diana and kind of her introduction into the family as well as prince charles and his love life also his contentious relationship between him and his father prince philip which has lingered on for seasons. Like in the first season, he was actually played by the synth kid in Humans. Remember that fake oh, robot yeah, kid? Yeah, 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 that was him. And then um, what did you think of Diana's introduction? Because it was a little bit different than in real life. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Um, I thought it was funny because the first time we ever see her, she's dressed as the Mad Tree from Midsummer Night's Dream. And she's also trying to hide from Charles because Sarah told her to. Uh, just because Sarah was afraid that might taint the way that um, he looks at her. But basically, um, they talk as she's like hiding behind bushes. And apparently Charles is a big fan of Midsummer Night's Dream, so he knows exactly what she's dressed as. And uh, yeah. She's played by Emma Corrin, and uh, people really seem to like her fans embraced her like right away for the role and they yeah. say that she may not look exactly like diana but that her mannerisms and that the way that she speaks is almost perfect yeah um, and, I'll, and i'll say that about like basically every character like margaret thatcher for example played by the person from sex education she must thought have, that she did a good job because yeah. i was going to ask you about her the newcomer prime minister mm -hmm. um yeah she was played by jillian anderson mm -hmm. as you said uh, but she's kind of split the base. Some people are arguing in the comments that she's representative of more of a caricature of uh, Margaret Thatcher, which I don't think you've actually listened to too much of no, I, I, the I conservative prime minister from 1980, whatever. Um, but her voice and gesturing are considered overblown and exaggerated by some, while others, on the flip side, say that she deserves an Emmy for like a spot-on performance. Yeah, I mean, I thought she did a good job in this episode. It's interesting because the historical accuracy of the relationship between Margaret Thatcher and the Queen is also left to debate. 
because in the show they're making it seem like they were kind of combative, right? Yeah, like the first thing we see is that Margaret Thatcher is not a big fan of Elizabeth kind of stepping in. And also Elizabeth does this kind of power move where she's able to predict most of Margaret Thatcher's cabinet. Oh, okay. And she does a good job of that? Yeah, she like got, I think, like 95% right, Margaret Thatcher later on says. Okay. Um, I will say that like the first 20 minutes were a little odd because it felt like they were dealing a lot with the sexism angle. Like a lot of men were talking about the fact of how, you know, like women were being put in charge and how that wasn't a good idea. Even Margaret Thatcher says something along the lines of women in cabinet positions are too emotional. Well, it's kind of interesting because they haven't delved into politics too much. Like they've had someone play JFK, they've had Churchill in the show, but it's kind of played as side storyline to the main thing, which is the royal family. And so having these two very strong female characters play juxtaposed with each other and their views is, I think, what Peter Morgan was thinking when he was like, okay, this season would be great to have that. And then the Diana storyline on the side. Uh, does, does Gillian Anderson have a English accent in um, sex education? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Okay, so do you know what bi-dialectical means? Or, <laughs> sorry. I yeah. assume I assume it means like you are able to speak in some different dialects or two different dialects. Yeah, so she easily shifts between American and English accents because she was raised in both London and America. And so like Scully doesn't have a, yeah. an English accent, but most of her other characters do when she was right. in The Fall and Bleak House and other things like that. I was just going to say it was weird because like I knew who she was, but then when she like came in with a strong English accent, this one. So I was like, it, it was just a little strange seeing that. Yeah. And again, that's supposed to be the way that Margaret Thatcher spoke. They have dialect coaches on staff prepared to help people with their different characters because you have so many characters who are representing so many people and they don't want them to come across as impersonations or impressions. They want the actor who has been cast to kind of make it their own person because, and I don't know if you're aware, I know that you know that there have been two queens so far in the show, Mm -hmm. but the entire cast is recycled every two years. So they've already cast the new cast for seasons four, five, and six. That makes a lot more sense now, yeah, because Charles dances in this episode. Now I mean, I skip too far ahead, but like he ends up dying thirty minutes of the way through, and I was like, whoa, that must be a huge thing. Like this is Charles Dancer killing off here. So. Well, it is a big deal, but they also have a huge cast yeah. and, uh, with a bunch of famous people. So there were several events that they actually had to omit. Even though people were like, why did you do that? This was plenty drama. Like, there was plenty of drama in it that you could have done. So, for instance, Princess Anne. Do you see her? She's played by Aaron Doherty. Yeah, you, you see a couple scenes with her. Yeah, she, in real life, stuff that didn't make the TV show, experienced, like, a botched kidnapping. Um, where she, <laughs> Yeah, where she, like, refused to go with the kidnappers. And then, also, she won, like, an Olympic medal. And wow. they didn't oh. even like. Well, actually, they, we, they mentioned it, but they didn't show any of it. Well, actually, in this episode, you do see her ride on a horse and like make it to the Olympics. Yeah, but that's not the same as like showing the Olympics. Yeah, I think that that's going to be for future episodes. I don't think they show it actually, but maybe I'm wrong. Not all the casting has been liked, even though a lot of it's been supported. Uh, for instance, Helena Bottom Bonham Carter, <laughs> um, she plays Princess Margaret, yeah, and the Queen sister, and she is kind of like. People say she doesn't exactly fit in with the real life version of her. And then also Michael C. Hall, Dexter. Oh, played, wait, I didn't even know he was in this. Well, he was in a previous season. Yeah. He played JFK. 
<laughs> okay. And people weren't a fan. Yeah. Um, I did see some of Helen the Bottom Carter in this episode, but she wasn't in it enough for me to really gauge enough about her character. Yeah, so. so some of these casting choices can be polarizing, but I know that the new cast that's coming in, they have people like Dominic West and Jonathan Price who are playing pretty big characters. Yeah, and I imagine with a budget that has, because this thing had a lot of sweeping shots and just like everything that it's probably not a problem to get. Yeah, cast. landscape shots. And they also film a ton in London. They have castles and theaters and estates and manors and halls and railways, parks, and they all have to represent Buckingham Palace and Westminster Abbey. Not to mention they have a ton of extras. Like it felt like after a certain while yeah. in this thing, I was just going to see. To give you an idea of the budget. For a wedding dress worn by Foy in the first episode, they spent $35,000 on it. Oh my god, that's as much as, like, I feel like a low-end TV show, maybe. Like, by itself? Yeah. For just the dress, yeah. They've had uh, probably one of the most expensive budgets. It's a debate whether or not it's the expensive, the most expensive one. Peter Morgan has said it's not, Um, but maybe he's just trying to keep humble. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I mentioned Bleak House earlier. One of um, Gillian Anderson's co-stars was Charles Dance. And uh, that brings me to what is probably the most shocking part of the episode, which you mentioned. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I want to say I was writing down in my notes because um, I wanted to say for the podcast, this isn't a show that's going to have a ton of action in it. And right after I wrote that down, suddenly this big explosion on a boat happens. So I was going to ask, did you see it coming? Doesn't no, sound like you oh, did. Oh, no, it was definitely supposed to be shocking. And it was. Okay. And it was supposed to be interspliced between like describe what happens exactly. Yeah. So basically we see a ton of the royal family fishing. Well, who is Charles Dance playing again? He's playing he's Lord playing, Montbottom, right? Or Baden. Yeah, yeah, his first name is uh, Dickie. And he's, Uncle Dickie, yeah. Uncle Dickie, yeah. And he's having some trouble, I guess, with Charles. He feels like he's not really getting through to him. In fact, we get a scene right after he dies. So where he remember, writes, Charles and his father don't get along super much. So he's right. kind of playing surrogate father yeah. to Charles. Yeah, and yeah. even Philip kind of uh, talks to Charles about that later on. Yeah. But basically, the note that was left for Charles... Uh, by Dickie was basically telling him you have to shape up and be more of a man like you're not really taking charge well he's like dating a lot of people and he's not settling down like he's still he's still having sex with um Camilla right exactly and And Camilla is a married woman yeah so we see Charles and he's fishing in Iceland and then we also get a uh story going on where the rest of the royal family is basically hunting um pigeons like they're shooting pigeons and then we get uh charles dance's storyline or dickie where he's on the boat with um the boat boy who i believe is called paul maxwell and uh his grandson nicholas um and basically we get just this inner splice of each scene and you can tell something's going to happen because the orchestral music is coming up and then right as um dickie throws a crab into the ocean suddenly the boat I think it's just a lobster explodes. Yeah. sorry yeah a lobster uh the boat just explodes and it like it just focuses like a full minute on the aftermath of it and right after what do you mean by it focuses on a like full you minute? like you see just the explosion go up and like it's supposed to be obviously a big moment so they like spend a lot of time just showing you the aftermath like seeing the smoke and seeing the fire so it's just uh, like sizzling in the background yeah. and you don't hear any voices or music or anything it's just quiet yeah basically and okay. then afterwards we um see that everyone is being alerted about the death yeah so a lot of people were aware of how lord mountbatten batten died um before the show uh showed it mm-hmm. but um they were still surprised by that it came in the first episode yeah 
Yeah, I would say so too. Charles Dance has this weird thing where like he likes to make his last appearances in the first episode. I know with Game of Thrones, he made his last appearance in the season five premiere and in this one in the season four premiere. Well, it sounds like Uncle Dickie is kind of in the same vein as Tywin, not in the evil, but like as a father figure, he kind of stood for multiple people competing for his affections. Right. And that's what Philip and Charles talk about later, because Philip is mad that Charles is was asked by um, Philip is would be his nephew would be um mountain Baden's nephew right and he's mad that dickie basically said i want you to do the reading at my funeral well um, he's mad that his son was given that yeah, opportunity and not him and yeah. so he they, was passed over yeah and charles it. feels bad about that and even offers uh for philip to do the reading but philip's do like you no side on one you. of their characters like do you have a preference between who wins i mean that? i saw more of charles this episode so i'd say charles so you're more inclined to follow his reasoning or logic yeah and again, Philip is like nice about it. like he's like no, he chose you to do the reading. I'm just mad because I feel like once you came into his life, he picked you over me. Yeah, I read that he was drunk in the scene. Is that true? Yeah, he was drinking a lot. Yeah. Did he hit his son? No, Philip no. didn't hit his son. It, yeah, it was supposed to be. It wasn't like a great scene for both of them. Like it wasn't a happy scene, but it was like just more like did I want to explain why I'm mad at you. Yeah. Did of. you recognize who plays Philip? No. He's the guy from Game of Thrones, the one who was at the um the wedding, the one who was getting married, the red wedding. Oh, the Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. You're talking about yeah. I know what you mean. Mhm. So you recognize him now? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Enough yes. Uh the name of the episode is Goldstick. And do you want to know what that refers to or do you know? Uh, I don't know. I I'll guess give, uh, but just after the intro they showed Goldstick so anyway. Yeah. I'll give you a few scenarios and you tell me which one you think is right. Uh it's not to their massive budget. And an on-running joke, joke that uh, the cast is paid in gold sticks instead of paper money. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or the Montgrassi River runs through the through Buckingham Palace and between Westminster Abbey. The split is referred to the gold, as the gold stick. Or Uncle Dicky held the rank of Colonel of Lifeguards and gold stick in waiting. And so gold stick in waiting is just another term for bodyguard. I'm going to go with the river uh, one. Nope. It's actually the fact that he's a colonel of lifeguards and gold stick and waiting. Apparently, Uncle Dickie had a ton of merits and accolades that like he was just named for. Like the Queen's bodyguard is a pretty big deal. And the gold stick was meant to represent that. And since he died in the episode, that's what they went with. Uh, he actually began planning his funeral. Like, I know they do a joke about this in the funeral that it's like 500 pages worth of. Yeah, uh, that's what that happens in the Philip and uh, Charles scene. Yeah. So they that he planned it out beforehand as if he knew. And I think that's the reading that they're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, but he started planning his funeral in 1971 and his, he died in 1979. And it was <laughs> codenamed Operation Freeman. That's how like important it was to him. And he continuously reassessed the arrangements, reviewing them for what would be the final time as recently as March of 1979. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so how would you set up your funeral if you had that much foreknowledge and you could literally do whatever you want? I'd probably the try and, oh, if I had a budget, I'd probably try and call in as many favors and ins as I could for famous people to come up. And okay, then I so get you're like, just interested in famous people. Well, I get That's the, I also shallow. get the, I also get the networks to get in on it. And like, you would want it publicized, really? Well, no. I mean, yeah, I, I would be forever remembered. <laughs> well, I would want everybody who went to like get something really cool, like an Oprah car, or maybe I'd arrange like a scavenger hunt and then 
everybody would have to divide into teams. No, I would preset the teams and I would set like different personalities <laughs> to be with each other and just see how it goes. And I wouldn't actually be dead and this would just be a fun thing for me to do and I have a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, so he had been a target for, for, for the IRA for quite some time because he was like a symbol of imperialist suppression. Yeah. And so a sniper actually tried to take him out in 1978 on the ocean. Like, this guy led the life of sort of a spy, I guess. <laughs> but it was just the weather that made it so that the guy missed. Um, I don't know how they knew that, but <laughs> yeah, it, whether the guy was arrested or not. Um, but then you should have heard a voiceover in the episode that said something along the lines of 13 gone but not forgotten. We got 18 and Mountbatten. Um, the statement begins, like, it's referring to the 13 people that were killed in Bloody Sunday Massacre of 1971. Mm-hmm. And then also, obviously, the four people who died, even though it says 18, um, Mountbatten, um, he, he died with, along with four other people. Oh, yeah. The show is only uh, three other people or two other people. Yeah, I, they may have excluded some people. And then some people actually got injured but survived. Like there was uh, someone who did an interview afterwards who actually remembered like being the, the ball exploding because it was like a 50 pound or ton no no 50 pound yeah and the show was huge bomb yeah. that just was planted under the boat and uh yeah that, that would be crazy so people who didn't see it coming or knew about it but still didn't see it coming i, I guess that they probably were shocked um mm-hmm. that it happened this early and so when you were talking about the philip and charles scene where they were kind of upset with or where philip was upset with charles yeah. they sound more like brothers bickering than a father-son yeah, that's it. it. In fact, I even thought that I was like, "This is a weird father-son scene," considering the fact that, like, literally, Philip is talking about how Charles became the center of Dickie's attention. So, what do you come away with thinking of Philip at that point? Well, I saw Philip being pretty caring to other people, like uh, really? Princess so his, Anna. Yeah, so he likes his daughter more than he likes his son. Yeah, he's basically told them that. <laughs> <laughs> Not in other words, but considering that Charles is still running around with Camilla, and they have this toxic relationship from when he was a kid, and Anne again, people think that she should be more represented because apparently she's played by a pretty good actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's reasons why that that tension exists between the two of them. The other tension we've already spoken about between Thatcher and the queen. The funny thing is historians say that the queen really is more soft when she comes in to play any sort of political role. Like she doesn't try to go hard on anything because she's trying to stay out of it. So from Thatcher's biography, which it's from her point of view, she said, although the press could not resist the temptation to suggest disputes between the palace and Downing Street, otherwise uh, the politics basically Uh, i always found the queen's attitude toward the work of the government absolutely correct thatcher wrote in her autobiography of course stories of clashes between the two powerful women were just too good not to make up so that could just be a for instance of the same thing here right and Um, in in that scene it starts off like pretty well like they seem to be getting along and um you know the queen is congratulating the prime minister But that's what makes for good drama make it seem like they should get along and then of course yeah later on in the scene have it devolve a little bit yeah yeah so it's been called a soap opera do you agree yeah i would in a pbs sort of way (laughs) it's reminding me a little bit of a a queen's gambit but yeah yeah and downton abbey it's actually been compared to especially since some of the locations they've used are the same yeah, and, um, and it's like a period drama. Yeah, the 100% this was closest to Donna. It's Abbey. actually going to go all the way into the 2000s. 
um, by the end of season six, it will be in the 2000s. Wow. It's not going to reach where we are now. So wait, so it's already been renewed for a sixth season? No, it's planned out for six uh, seasons. Okay. They recast, I told you, for right. seasons five and six. Um, they're not getting rid of this one. Not easily, <laughs> I've heard. Uh, so do you know where soap opera, the term, comes from? No, like, does that have something to do with, like, television and there was, like, soap? boxes that were like being advertised during that time or something yeah that's it's actually radio dramas sponsored by soap manufacturers i was going to give you a test to see if you could get the right one one (laughs) of my answers was soap mcphee was a famous irish producer (laughs) who coined the term after himself but i didn't get to like quiz you on that because you already knew it yeah all right tell me about diana and how charles and her end up getting together yeah so sarah really wants to not start like a physical relationship sarah is out of the picture at this point they showed you a background image of 1977 but by 1979 to 1980 yeah and she's out of there well sarah is married to someone named neil and that's the main uh in that kind of charles has because he calls her and he's like congratulations on that and then sarah's like thank you basically like why did you call and then he was saying they wanted to know as much about diana as possible um for example she was 18 at that point Uh, she worked at a kindergarten um and he just wanted to know about her personality and then the next shot we see and then she's also like supposed to be working for her right yeah in a way yeah and then and then the next thing we see we see diana confused by that because again a why would he be calling his ex-girlfriend from two years earlier that never happened in real life i guess they wanted to just give you a gateway into it oh but but also you see them earlier on in the episode like right like there's a scene with them together so i think yeah but if you're gonna date your no, I, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm just saying. It I seems think that, weird to call her and ask her. I think that's just the choice that they made as a writing team. But the next thing we see is Diana, and she's like basically dancing around a music in her house with a family, and then the family's like, "Oh, the prince is called." And the next thing we see is them point up to the house, and that's how it ends. Okay, so this episode has an 8.7 on IMDb. Uh, the entire season has been pretty well liked. Almost some people who didn't like the previous seasons actually like this season a whole lot. That, that happens with a lot of TV shows that like kill off a big character in the first episode. I don't think it's about that. I think it's more just about this season concentrating on Diana's character. And they tried to make it more factual because they realized that the closer they get to now in history, like the more modern it becomes, the less they're able to get away yeah, with yeah, kind of, of being loose with the truth. And the more actual like firsthand people they have to talk to like a lot of the stuff that was happening in the earlier um seasons they barely had anybody they could reach out to Um, so did they just rely on like books and stuff yeah they had books and they again had a huge research team and then they had to do drama so did did, did you ever get any information on how this came to be because it feels like if they didn't if they had to hire this again peter morgan the guy who actually made this uh he based it on he's been doing stuff with the royal family his whole time uh, his oh, whole life okay. he's the one who actually i think wrote and directed the queen the movie oh, with yeah. uh, meryl that Street. came out in like 2006 yeah right? he also did a play about the royal family that this is based on mm-hmm. the crown is based on it, the funny thing is he's not like really into these the whole idea of royal lineage he doesn't believe in like the idea that right. this family but he is kind of obsessed with the notion that people are so enamored with them and, and he obviously the... must be good at it if he's you know making this show so. yeah he must have a passion for his work um they were able to shoot all this 
whole season before COVID hit. I wonder how many shows that we're going to see before they like not too many right more. Now. I don't think, but they did have one last scene that they had to do. They had like six days left of filming. It was either an avalanche on a mountain, a tsunami on a pier, a hurricane in Northern Ireland, or a thunderstorm that caused a fire in Buckingham Palace. Whatever it was, it was obviously big budget. I'm gonna go with the fire in Buckingham Palace. An avalanche on a mountain. Really? Yes, they had to shoot an avalanche on a mountain. I don't know if they actually were able to do it, but uh, you have to watch the season to see. (laughs) Based solely on this episode, how would you view it in comparison to most of the shows that we're watching? I I liked it. I mean, I didn't really have a huge problem with this episode. Um, It's just kind of heavy, and there was a lot of points where, with some shows, I'm able to, like, zone out, but kind of keep attention. Here was like, no, you have to keep your, like, attention. Would it have helped to have seen previous seasons? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) And I got, like, a season three recap, but really didn't understand any of it. Oh, did it do that at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, uh, from what I heard, the queen is really into horses. Yeah. She just, she yeah. just That's the only time she ever smiles. Otherwise, she doesn't smile. Well, again, that that's the first scene we see. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, so, throughout the rest of the season, what would you expect to see based on what they've done? Well, a lot of episodes that kill off people either bring into the next episode, everyone learning about it, all that stuff. But it seems like this episode kind of went past that. They kill them off in the middle, and they get see, you see the grieving afterwards. So, I expect to see more tensions rising, um possibly the royal family being in more danger just because of the fact that uh charles dance died and also just do you expect the ira to play a bigger role later yeah yeah no 100 because they they had the protest things that they were doing and showing that that's 100 going to come into play later i don't know because they had to go all the way to 1990 ish right for this season yeah they so they don't have a problem kind of just skipping through but they continually showed it like i feel like this is going to be a big part of the probably because they left it out of last season and some people were upset about that maybe yeah yeah so the up until the 90s i do know that diana is going to be the center figure um and then thatcher will have she'll be in it but i don't know so if she's, she's going to be like a side she, character no she's going to i think play again another juxtaposed version of diana who's coming in there as this innocent like uh, i'm brand new to this household so her foil yeah, and people also compare Diana to some of the, like, Meghan Markle and how she felt she was ostracized or that she was um, judged too harshly by the media. And, I mean, with what Diana had to experience, the same can be said to her. And they, yeah. they, you look at the comparisons, and they that's obviously in the back of people's minds when they're watching this type of show. Right, yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, is there anything else you want to say on this episode? No, just if you're going to watch it, again, no, it's heavy. But I think that people that watch it are going to like it. So Yeah, good show. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.